Welcome to episode number 62 with Kate Mead, never accepting the no. Welcome to the Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next level of greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. Did you ever know what you wanted to do in life? Like, I mean, when you're a teenager and you went out and did it and you pursued that job? Well, this is what happened to Kate Mead. You're going to hear this incredible story of a lady who knew what she wanted to do and be when she was a teenager, did the courses, did everything, and continually hit brick walls. What does a no mean to you? Because I tell you what a no means to Kate Mead. It means, how can I get around this and find a way to win? Kate Mead is the co-host of Ace Radio Morning Breakfast Show. She was also voted in 2018 by the Australian Financial Review as 100 Women of Influence. Kate is also the co-founder of one of Australia's largest dance festivals in Australia. Incredible story. Enjoy this inspiring show. I would love to know, Kate, let everybody know where you're calling from in Australia today. I'm calling from Warrnambool, southwest Victoria. It's about 30 minutes away from the 12 Apostles. Beautiful. I've never been to the 12 Apostles. Allow a couple of days and just enjoy heading along the Great Ocean Road. There's some hidden gems along there and it's probably still the jewel of the crown. I love that drive. Can I say every time I go to Melbourne... I'm absolutely shocking driving in Melbourne. I don't know what it is with these hook turns and I was originally from Sydney, so we're in Perth now, but every time I go to Melbourne, I get lost, I get scared, there's a tram behind me. How do you go driving in that state? No, well, I was going to say I don't mind driving in Melbourne because it's all squares. I don't like driving in Sydney because it's all circles. <laughs> we'll both give each other lessons in yeah. each other's now, listen, you are a dancer, a dance teacher. You're the founder of Victorian Dance Festival. You're a breakfast radio host. We are going to go, like, how do you juggle all that in your life? But first, can we go all the way back to you going from a dance teacher into launching Victorian Dance Festival? Like, how does that happen? How did that come along? Um, it's so I'm a country girl and a country girl at heart and so first and foremost I had great they were teachers but I used to even as a 14 15 year old call them mentors I don't know why they just were more than a, a, a straightforward teacher and they always said it doesn't matter where you live if you want something bad enough you'll make it happen I'd been running my own dance studio for about say five years we were teaching at three different locations there was about 900 students at capacity at that stage Wow! and there's an event called the Australian Dance Festival and it happens up in Sydney uh, it's organized by Angela Lau and she's absolutely remarkable we took 20 students up from regional Victoria up to Sydney for that weekend and it cost them about a thousand dollars so when you think about Flights, accommodation, um, the ticket just to get in, the food, travelling around, the whole bit, $1,000. And then I 
I come home and and I just was, you know, at it and I thought, do you realize we've taken out $20,000 out of our region and taken that straight up to Sydney? Could you imagine then what, you know, so imagine if we'd invested 20000 into our own local economy. Could this even be done? So originally when it started, it wasn't called the Victorian Dance Festival. That was my first mistake, actually. I thought too small. You're going to think much, much bigger. I thought small. I called it the Isolate Dance Festival. <laughs> Two reasons, right? So there's Isolate, there's a dance, it's a move, a dance move, Isolate, mm-hmm. and the second because we were isolated where we live and I wanted to send the message that it didn't matter where you live, that you could achieve anything that you wanted. So in 2013, we had our first festival and we had 117 students attend. So not many, like we were just like a little a little group that got together with some instructors from Melbourne and we brought them down and they were amazing and, um, you know, didn't make any money, barely, you know, barely paid the bills, all those hardships yeah. happened. But I just, after the that first festival, felt like it was something. It was something so much more. So I changed the name to the Victorian Dance Festival. Let's so straight after the first one? Yeah, you just went. had that feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and just had that feeling like I'm... I'm thinking too small. I'm. I need to get some things in line here. So change the name to the Victorian Dance Festival. So we started calling it VDF. Uh-huh. Um, the next year we had 1,300 people attend, oh. and they travelled from all over regional Victoria stop, and stop. Melbourne. Oh my gosh, I've got yeah. goosebumps all over me because yeah. that just shows what it does when you claim the throne. Yeah. Yeah, you've tested the marketplace and then you've claimed the throne. You've gone, right, yeah. let's just really put the name on it and look at the difference. What was the major difference besides the name? What else did you do differently yeah. from that first festival to the second one to get 1300? Firstly, true grit. Grit come into that big time because the festival was built on nose. The festival was built on you know, like, will this work? No, Kate, this is not going to work. Go to the local council. Kate, we're really a football community. Like, we're not really big on arts. You know, like, we yeah, put funding. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to have any support moving through. So I've got to believe in it 100%. And my job is to find people that believe in my idea. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if I'd encountered you, Annette, and you were kind of like, oh, no, that's not really our thing as a studio owner, mm-hmm. then it was would have been a waste of my time to try and change your mind. I needed to find others yeah. that um, believe that right in my frequency, right? That yeah. Like, and look, you would have come to me and my husband loves football and I just can't even watch a game I'm the person that will sit there and talk to you instead of watching the game (laughs) so dance I want to be on hell yes (laughs) yeah yeah and no disrespect to the football by the way because I'm married a football coach I love the football but um you know country Victoria that's kind of yeah how that was so yeah so I got really 
committed about talking to people that could go on the journey with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other element that was, say, unique to what was, say, different, we didn't copy what was going on with the Australian Dance Festival because it was still competition-based. And I didn't think kids needed any more competition in their life. If they wanted to go do that, go do that. I wanted a community. Mm-hmm. I wanted a community of dancers that she loved dancing because the numbers were re- really that – you know, we're looking at one, 1% if we're lucky, Australian dancers will go on to Australian ballet or professional dance companies. I wanted to spread the message that if you had dance in your life, you could have it forever. Yeah. So community-based. Yeah. So that was, it was just the change. So that was one of the changes, like, yep, think bigger, make those changes, talk to people that I felt like could come on the journey with me. And the other was, uh, like in any business, you know, it's competitive. If you're in the same industry as someone else, it can be really, really competitive. And so in dance schools, that is absolutely no different. And I realised that if I wanted to build community at a state, national and international level, I needed to become Switzerland. So within 18 months of the dance festival actually launching, I sold my dance school and, and it almost broke my heart to do it. But I knew that in order for me to be neutral ground, because otherwise it was like, oh, we're going to Kate's festival and then all the kids are going to want to enroll in her dance school. And I was like, no, 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 that's not what it's about. Like I'm doing it more as as a service. So I knew I needed to be Switzerland and a champion of, say, all dance, all dance schools, all education and all celebration of the art form. And and that's really interesting because if you think for me, I went from doing a lot of corporate, so like big brand companies like Mazda and, you know, just brand names. And I really wanted to help female entrepreneurs. And so for me to make that switch, because I didn't have a database, what I did was I started holding events. So instead of speaking on other people's stages, so I was doing conferences and internal training, I thought I have to have my own event. So it's quite interesting that you said that you wound down the studio because you knew by having that event it'd probably draw more people to yours and there'd be a competition. Where for me it was the other way around. It's like I have no database, so I have to do something big. So the first thing I did was I did an Australian tour. Like, you know, I just bit it off and went, let's just go for it. So it's really quite interesting listening to um, the strategy that I had to use to try and build my my database and to be able to get my own clients because I jumped completely different markets to where you went uh, totally into that beautiful nurturing and giving and just going, we're going all in with this and let's play fair for all the other studios. That's just such a beautiful feminine thing to do, I think. Uh, I, I think part of it, and you talk about when you feel like you're on path in life, mm-hmm. was um, the festival was never built for me. And, you know, it was very much I'm building this thing for community. It was, yeah. it was, it was like... Um, I was going, I knew it even at the time that I was more of a custodian of it. But when you talk about that, my highlights were always, um, I used to do studio visits. So I would travel right around regional Victoria, like Swan Hill, uh, the Mornington Peninsula, up to um, uh, Terrelgan, uh, Horsham, and I would go to the studios and I'd have my little film clip and I would interview the studio owners and I would say, tell me why you love dance. Why did you get into educating children? And so it became become this 
shining a light on the great work that was happening within the industry and telling the stories of dance. And then I would watch the kids dance classes or, yeah, so it really was um, shining the light, like grabbing that great big beacon or that big spotlight Mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to shift this over to you right now and and let's look at the great work that you're doing for your community and why do you do it? And then what would, you know, the studio owner would fall in love with what that festival was about then, what that community was building and then they would bring their kids and then they would tell their studio friends and then so it just organically, it just bubbled and bubbled and bubbled. Because it's, you were there as service. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, service. Yeah, yeah. And I, for me now, the event that I was meant to release, <laughs> we know it's not oh. events right now. Yeah. It was like this one. We've been working on it since last year, and the Herpreneur event was definitely all about helping the women. But it was still also for me to be able to build the database. Where now the new one's called Magnificence, and it's really helping business women not have burnout. So mm. it's really like you know looking at their health and their wellness and everything. I'm saying to the guys that are helping build it is like it's not about me it's about them so I get that feeling when you switch which is what your podcast is about as well right yeah podcast is about how do we get this education out to these women so can we actually change direction and talk about the women of influence because this is how I found you yeah photo is so hot (laughs) <laughs> like that's what jumped out was this graphic and you're sitting there and you're on the chair and you've got your little black outfit on and I was like, I said to JM, I went, I want to interview her. <laughs> I was like, I love that photo. I love the name of Women of Influence. And um, then we looked at some of the interviews and I was like, yeah. And then we found out you're a radio host and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So Women of Influence, how did that come about? Uh, the Australian, I get a bit embarrassed so that I'm best when I'm putting that spotlight on someone else. So I apologize for that. So the honest and true story of the women of influence was that, um, Qantas, uh, the Australian financial review every year do a 100 women of influence in Australia. And there's 10 categories and they're everything from arts to politics, to charities, to business, CEOs, the whole bit. Um, and in 2018, yes, <laughs> this is a blur, I apologise. Yeah, um, I was listed. Everyone, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it, yeah. Um, yeah, I was listed in that 100 women in uh, the regional uh, category and just a bit blown away and, and went up to Sydney and and was in the Sydney Town Hall surrounded by, you know, there was over a 1,000 people in there and looking around the room and, and these incredible women that had done all this stuff in career and, and research and life and just was moving around and would get caught with people for 10, 15 minutes because mm-hmm. just so fascinated. And it, we were sitting down for the tea as the interview, uh, the, the award ceremony was going through and I was looking at the program and you get the bios of these women and I thought, these are unsung heroes of Australia here. Like where some, I had not heard of, I would have said 80 of the 100 you know, just Whoa. not heard of them and yeah. not uh, for any fault of the media or whatever. It was just that these stories were not heard. And, um, yeah, come back come back to work and was working at the radio station and, and, and just said, hey, guys, 
would you indulge me uh, to help get something off the ground? I would love to do the Women of Influence and I would love to tell the untold stories of Australian women and mix in some of the ones that women that we do know and love. But uh, interesting enough, we can have an, an incredible woman that the whole world knows and loves. Mm. And we will have someone like, for example, a Mary Guy who has volunteered for the CFA, um, done great work for her local football club, and her episode will be equally, if not more, listened to and celebrated than than someone that we can read about in New Idea magazine, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. So, yeah, it just, that's how it got started. Literally, it got started because I was at an awards ceremony, was blown away and just thought, who is telling these stories? Who is who is doing this and why aren't we? And um, I'm not anyone famous, but I love someone's stories. Yeah. So that's what let's get going. And, yeah, that was 12 months ago now that since we launched. I love that. If there's somebody listening now and they think I've got a good story or I know someone that's got a good story, where should they send them to? We'll put the links, obviously, at the below of this yeah. um, article, guys, and with the iTunes. Um, but where could they send someone to if they've got someone that's got a great story? Yeah, if they head to www.aceradio.com.au, you'll see the podcast section there. And mm-hmm. it, it's a nice little super easy form that you can just fill out and it gives me some details too. Love it. How did the radio show host come about? We've gone from <laughs> dancer to, and, and if it's in order, did it go dancer, dance studio owner, Victorian dance festival, radio host? Yeah. yeah? So how did that come about? <laughs> um, so, and you seem like one of these people too. I, my biggest fear in life is waking up at 80 and wondering what if. What if I'd had a crack at something? So when I was a teenager, I used to say, I'm going to be a dancer and be on the radio. And oh, wow. um, You even said it when you were a teenager. Yeah, yeah, about 14. Like I was that annoying kid that used to prank the radio station and win the prizes and oh, totally painful. What I didn't realize was how incredibly hard it was. And when I made the decision to see if I could get into the radio industry, Mm -hmm. um, it really took more than turning up at the radio station and saying, hey, can I have a job? (laughs) I really wanted to do this. It involved a hell of a lot of no's um, to the point where, so I did uh, the radio training. It was at the time called the Melbourne Radio School. So I did their course on um, radio announcing and things like that and thought then, okay, cool. So I'm ready to go now. Then got a lot of no's. So what I did was while I was building the dance festival, I enrolled in my Masters of Media and Communication because what was happening for me with radio was, for example, a journalist position would come up and they would say, oh, that's great. Thank you for applying, Kate. Um, You've got a not a bad voice to do it, but we really need to, we're going to go with the local journalists. Like we've got someone that's applied who's a journalist. I go, okay. And then the next job that come up, I could do a little bit of production, but not great amounts of production. So, Kate, we're going to need to go with someone who's got lots of experience with production. So, my stories kept going along those lines. So, Mm. I enrolled in the Masters of Media and Communication and the first subject that I enrolled in was journalism. 
The second subject that I enrolled in was advanced production. And the third subject I enrolled in was uh, professional communications and uh, creative writing. And you're like, I'm getting this covered. Like, I'm- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I'm going, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be the person that is ready. I'm going to position myself that when the job comes up, mm-hmm. I may not have the experience, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm boots in, boots in and all. So it's just a, a systematic me like, <laughs> filling it out. Was that was that what you needed? I, I think you I still did, get the nose. Yeah, yeah. I still got the nose. There's no dramas. But I used to check in with, um, you know, the local, they call them content directors. And I would send them, you know, my work as I was developing and and learning different skills around voice or reading the news or whatever I was up to. And and I would say, listen, I'm about to pay another $5,000 for the net. Can you just tell me if I should let this go? Like, could someone just gently let me down? Or, you know, like, if it's never going to happen. Just if I suck, me. tell me. I just want to know. Yes, yes, that was exactly it. But and you knew and, that you didn't, right? Or at this uh, stage you're starting, like, to go, oh, it's like the well, wood chipper. Point, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at what point do you just have to walk, you know, like I, I've never mm. walked away is the issue. But yeah. I guess at some point, yeah, you might have to walk away, I suppose. And they said, Kate, don't. Don't give up. It's just, the timing's not right. It's just not right yet. And then um, finally got the call. Got the call and said, "Hey, Kate, would you like to do breakfast radio um, on a network show that got, will go right across regional Victoria into New South, Southern New South Wales?" And this is true to character. Like no joke. Got the call from his name was Matt Cummins, Group Content Director. He said, "Kate, we'd like to offer you a position on the network breakfast show. Is this something you'd like to be interested?" Oh, Matt, yes. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'll just give you a call back. Um, thank you so much. You know, like he was like, well, this is about the money and, you know, you have it. Oh, yes, thank you. I was trying to keep it together. I hung up. And you're like. <laughs> tears, screaming up and down. And I'm like, okay, I, I guess I need to wait, you know, about, what, an hour? Like how long does it How long does it take for people to think about something, do you think? <laughs> and, it, yeah, so I waited. I think it was about 27 minutes and I was like, that's it. <laughs> So, so you said, okay, thank you. And so you yeah, were playing like hard to get. Trying to act cool and not high maintenance and not over the top. And because I thought radio really was for only cool people. So I guess to anyone out there that's thinking that they'd like to do radio, but it's only for, you know, like special people. It's not. Like, look at me. <laughs> well, actually, you're pretty phenomenal. What, oh, was, it, was it what you always thought it would be or more or like what what was the difference then actually being there and doing it like you've got the 3 a.m starts or 3 30 starts yeah ah, my gosh was is it, it everything that you've always felt like you would get from it like you've always had this feeling that you wanted to be since a teenager it's been more than my wildest dreams in all honesty and it has tested me on every front, and when I say every front, I mean my values, my work ethic, my, um, you know, passion when things get hard. You know, the, mm-hmm. I, was start, I was green as starting on a breakfast show. So normally when you come into radio, you would start um, maybe doing some afternoon things or like right. this was like the spot. This was like this was the like golden. Suddenly celebrity status. 
Well, not really, but you know what I mean. It's like the job that you dream of. Yeah. Um, and I was in there and there were mornings when, you know, you had to learn how to communicate and there were mornings when it just felt like the studio, you were suffocating, like, I, I can't do this, I can't. And it was just having to push through those barriers every day of it's going to get a little bit easier, just keep turning up, just keep showing up, keep doing the work. And, you know, it is still a challenge. No day is ever what you expect here, but it's showing up, doing the work every day. Well, I would love to know, because my son crawled into my bed at 2.30 this morning. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, you stay with daddy, I'm going to go downstairs. And I walked downstairs and I looked at the, the clock and it was 2.30 and I thought, oh my gosh, Kate's getting up soon to work. <laughs> <laughs> How Awful, do you do it? How do you, how do you run being a mum of three sounds like you've got a pretty busy schedule. How do you actually do all this? Do your talk show, um, your podcast, be the breakfast radio, be the mum, get up at 3.30am. Do you have like a real strict schedule that you stick to? Like take us down this avenue. Yeah, okay. And um, like straight up, incredible, I have an incredible mother and mother-in-law and support system around me, like make no mistake. People get a bit funny when I say it, but even um, I say I can't do what I do without my husband. And I don't mean that in any type of, you know, power to women, you know, we can do whatever we like, but his support, Mm -hmm. I can't, I know, you know, like I, he's my rock, you know, he helps me be who I am. And it's been a really rough road, you know, in terms of (laughs) adjusting to all of this. So, you know, for me, it's very real. If you're going to see me in the afternoon, I'm in my jammies. There is no, I am in my jammies. I'd be crawling up into a ball by the afternoon. So some days I'm coping. I can take on the whole world and other days, I'm sorry, I can't do people today. So being honest about all of that, like it's not, you know, if you if it looked glamorous on that photo that you saw, oh, it stunning. ain't glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's look. We all get it. We all get yeah. it. Yeah, I'll, I'll turn up to school some days, and the hair and the makeup isn't done. It's done when I'm on stage. It's done when I'm doing my interviews. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. it's, it's not done all the time. <laughs> so the yeah. mums see me at school when I'm just the plain Jane, right? And then yeah. I'm on stage, and I've got the sparkly shoes and the heels and the hair yeah. and the yeah. Yeah, and that's the costumes that you wear, right? That's how I talk about it. I go, these are the costumes that I'm wearing. You want fabulous corporate Kate or do you want, you know, mum Kate or do you yeah. want, which which Kate do I need to be today? My 2020 for everyone, I think in some way 2020 has kicked their, you know, bottom in mm-hmm. whatever capacity. And for me, I guess it has been a learning journey this year in terms of I like I need all systems to be running in all capacities at all time. And if one system starts to not run, you know, it can really buck the whole damn show. Um, So, you know, this year I've got a psychologist involved in my life and I go, I thought I would be a bit um, maybe embarrassed to say that, but I go, where has she been all my life? Wow. Someone that's not a girlfriend, yeah. someone that's not your mum, someone that you can just say, you know what, oh, it, this isn't happening for me right now. Like what this is, is so wrong? To know. Yeah, and someone that just says, have you had a, have you bre- had 
breathing? Like, are you breathing? Like, are you taking a moment? Yeah. Are you? And I was like, no, I'm not taking a moment. I'm just going to the next thing. I'm just going to the next thing. What <laughs> fight needs to be put out? What do we need to do? Do you and, ever go through like a burnout or have you had a burnout in your career or a few of them? I've had a burnout this year, which um, apparent, and I was calling it a breakdown. I was like, am I just, am I, is this a breakdown? And she, and my beautiful psychologist said, no, 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 you're going through a growth phase. And I went, <laughs> love it. Thank you. I yep. will take that. Yeah. So then these are my, I'm 100% on or I'm off. Mm-hmm. So I go and go and go and then, yeah, crash. And I don't recommend that to anybody, yeah. but that's how I'm but wired this way. Yeah. So I'm learning this. I'm wired to go and go and go and I need to rest. So my learnings at the moment is learning how to go, okay, well, I'm sitting on the couch now or I'm sitting here with the family yeah. and I'm not checking the emails and I'm not looking up what that story is or I'm not planning. I'm here yeah. in this moment totally having present. to with the family. And I've battled with it. It's It's been a, like I've struggled with it. But if I want to stay married and be a good mum <laughs> and not be so stressed and enjoy some of the little things in life, I got to I got to fix it. I got to yeah. fix it. Yeah. Yeah, because for me I did a big burnout, massive. And um I actually I do a lot of journaling at night just to help. That's my psychologist. Yeah. There. Clear them up. Better out than in, I say. And one day I wrote like I'm just not happy. I'm tired like please universe hit me with a 2 by 4. Four days later, I come down with meningitis, and it was yeah. like the biggest wake-up call because we were actually leaving to go to the Greek islands. So, <laughs> Greek islands yeah. was great, but it wasn't as beautiful as what I wanted it to be because I was in hospital for end up being three weeks. And but I knew that's what I asked for because I needed to change. And I yeah. realized when I stripped everything back that everything was about you know achievement, not fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I was like, what is the one thing? And I've become a mum in that time as well. And I realised the one thing that I was really just letting go of was to dance. So I used to teach dance. I used to teach hip-hop. Um, yeah. I taught aerobics since I was 12. I had to lie about my age. I know you're feeling like a person of my own soul. Yes. Yeah. And so <laughs> I just said to my husband, when I get better, I need to dance again. And so a couple of nights a week, we have dinner as a family and then I go off to dance a couple of nights a week and it's just so beautiful like you're saying like he's part of your team right your husband Mm -hmm. and it's like it that allows me to have that place and as soon as I did Kate I stripped the weight off I was happy I wasn't the stressed mama you know it's just amazing like what it does is there anything that you do that like makes you the happiest person of yourself normally we say this at the end but I'm going to give two more questions after this but what would be something that you do that just lifts your vibration so high like you're the happiest Kate that you can possibly be oh look it's always we live by the coast and we do a lot of stuff in the water my youngest son has autism and a mild intellectual disability. So his speech is um, something that we have to work on all the time. But when it comes to being in the water, he is most happiest. My son surfs and now my daughter and my husband likes to fish. So any time that I'm out on the water myself with a, you know, a, a paddleboard or something like that, 
it, it feels like you're untouchable out in the water. There's healing properties around water. There's no phones out there. There's no, you know, like if you're taking a photo of yourself, well, it ain't going to be pretty of me when I'm coming out of that water. But, yeah, it's then like being untouchable. Incredible. And it, it, you really realize that it's the people that are in front of you. Oh, I come back, I'm exhausted, I'm hungry, and, yeah, but f- fulfilled. Mm. You're like, it's nothing, isn't it? It costs you nothing. It costs you nothing. Yeah. It's just time. Yeah. And paddleboarding, I feel when I've done it, not that I'm a great one, but I do it normally if I'm on holidays, I feel like you are so, you have to be so in the now, so present because I'm scared I'm going to fall off, right? But then suddenly you get the hang of it and it's nearly majestic. Like it's just this beautiful flow. So I can imagine you just escaping, just going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we go out with waves. So we don't, we're not on a river or anything when we go out on the paddleboard. So just don't have your hair wave, <laughs> don't have your blow wave done because you're definitely going in. <laughs> First time I did it, there were stingrays underneath. Oh. So I just learned to yeah. balance and then there were stingrays and yeah. we were in Hamilton Island. I was like, it made me stay on. And I was oh, like, how do sure. I turn? <laughs> It's a great incentive. Yep. So I would love just to finish up with these two pieces of advice. Yeah. We have women that are in the startup phase. We have women that are in the growth stage of their business or ready to take it up another level and maybe scale. Um, Could you give two pieces of advice? Give me the same advice to both or one for the person that's just starting out. She's in that first, you know, year um, and one for the seasoned uh, entrepreneur. Yeah, so the if you are starting out right now and you've got your really clear why you're doing what you're doing, all these no's that are going to come at you, and no's will present themselves as challenges. They'll present themselves as um, people that you trusted that may burn you, not that you need to get jilted about things, but things that get thrown at you. If you're clear on your why, it is your armour against all those no's. Because the nose will knock you, they will take your breath away, they will cripple you when you can't sleep at night for how you're going to pay the bills or get something done or even, you know, for me, will people even turn up? Will will they even want to do this thing? But if the why is good, that is your armour. Love that. Love that. Uh, For the seasoned entrepreneur, she's going through growth stage, she's scaling like she's ready to play at another new level. What would you say for her? I encountered a woman, her name was Misty Lone, another incredible um, businesswoman from America, Canada, more than just great dancing. Uh, She was a keynote speaker at a dance event and she talked about having the right people sitting on the right bus. Mm -hmm. So once your business is up and running and you've got this team, they might all be superstars, but if they're not doing the job that fires them up passionately and to their skill set, you're going to have trouble. So it's always, um, you, yeah, I used to think, oh, my goodness, I've got this amazing group around me, but why aren't we really firing all engines? Well, I had people that were great, but they weren't doing the right thing, or I had loaded up extra things onto their plate to do just because we didn't want to employ another person. But And then all of a sudden, I'd made them unhappy, and then they weren't quite getting their jobs done. So I I would have been better off to put a second person on or, you know, and yeah. rejiggy that 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 workload out than and then do that. And I probably learnt that 
the hard way. But I, when she explained it like getting you've got a bus full of people, you need to have them in the right seat. I was like, yes. And then as soon as I made those changes, yeah, Misty Lone, she's worth, I always think, yeah. I've written it down. I've written a name down. (laughs) Having a little bit of a look at, and she's, yeah, probably the master of systems. So, you know, once you get going, like, are you using the best of your time? And um, yeah, are the people that you've got around you doing their best, um, that, uh, their best for them. You know, it's th- about them. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard an interview with Susan Batsy who did the poo-puree spray. Do you know, like the toilet spray that you, you spray before you go on? The yeah, yeah, yes. And but it was <laughs> such a great interview. Like this woman, I think it was 84 million at that stage mm-hmm. that she was like in revenue per year. So like it was like mm-hmm. the, the business itself was incredible. And she said, um, she talks about how it's so important when all the team are really, really aligned with the idea. So we talk about, you know, what's the why, what's your why, or what's the business's why, what's the culture. And she talks about the difference of as soon as you get all your team at that same level of frequency of loving that idea, how quick the business actually grows. And yeah. there's a saying, you know, what does it say? Um, higher, slow, fire, fast. Um, mm-hmm. And she talks about the difference of as soon as that energy is out, how it can just redirect the team. So she really believes in team being together. Don't know how she's going now with COVID. But it was such a great inter- interview because it was something along the lines of that, like the importance of getting people on the right on the right seats. And as soon as they're in that, they're vibing, it just lifts the whole business. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Uh, Kate, if they want to learn more about you, follow you, uh, where's the best place to redirect these ladies to? You can head to our website, katemead.com.au, or if you want to check out the Women of Influence Facebook page, that'll give you direct links to the podcast. Fantastic. We'll have all the links on the blog for the show. And also, if you listen to iTunes, just scroll below and the links will take you straight through as well. Thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and um, just being out there and just being the incredible leader and entrepreneur and go-getter and just your beautiful, um, honest interview as well. So that helps us all, you know, grow and feel like we're doing great. So thank you so much today. It was my pleasure and thank you and incredibly well done to you. And events will kick off again in real life soon. You're one of those, you can just tell, breathe it for to be around people and thrive off that energy. So, you know, it'll come back bigger and better and yeah, no, keep, don't stop. Whatever, just don't stop. Keep going. We need it. We need women like you trailing the way. Thank you so much. Big kisses to you all later, Melbourne. And I know you guys are going through a hard time again. So, um, yeah, spreading some energy and love back over there. Thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought, or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out. 
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.